Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Babylon was a beautiful, beautiful city. As a matter of fact, it was one of the seven wonders of the world. The Hanging Gardens. Remember, they had almost more than 300 hanging gardens, flowers, plants, and stuff, beautiful from around the world. And so the people of God got comfortable in Babylon when Cyrus said, look, all of you can go back to your homeland. Only 50,000 went back. Now, notice in your text, the Lord gave the king of Judah into King Nebi's hand. And he went into the temple and he took the treasures and he carried them back to Shinar, which is kind of like a suburb of Babylon. It's just like a little section, a little area there in Babylon. And what did he do? He put them, the treasures, in the temple of his God. Now, this is pregnant. This little statement is pregnant with meaning. In the ancient world, when a city was conquered, it was just it wasn't just a victory for the city, it actually spoke of one God's superiority over another God. It, when, a, when, a, when a victory, when a, a piece of land was taken, it just wasn't about geography. It was about religion. It was about faith. It was about one God's superiority over another God. So when I conquer you, I'm going to sack your temple, the temple of your God, and take the stuff with, uh, of, of your worship and take all your utensils that you worship your God with. I'm going to take them back to my God, and my God can gloat over your God. That's the mentality. So King Nebi put the articles in the temple of his God, Bel, B-E-L, which spoke of superiority over Yahweh. So to the Jewish mind, you've got to understand something here. I was talking to my wife about this. To the Jewish mind, Israel had been defeated by a more superior God, and it seemed as if all was hopeless. This is their mentality. This is the way they were thinking. So then it stands to reason why God gave Daniel visions. Because to the Jewish mind, at this time, in the context, it was over for them. The temple is destroyed. The worship items and the utensils and all of the things that they worship God, that they know God, all of the vessels and things that they have in fellowship with God, all of these things are gone. So to them, it's over. God gives Daniel visions about the future. Why? So that he can communicate to them God's faithfulness. So that Daniel can say that no matter what happens, you will see 
And you will understand that God cannot, hasn't failed you. And one day, God will restore Israel as a nation and bring her into blessing. And no matter what, God is at work, even though it seems really dark right now. That's great. Why? Because that gives us hope. That even though, hey, maybe this is a word for you. Is it really dark in your life right now? Are things terrible in your life right now? Is it, does it look hopeless in your life right now? Can I tell you? Should I tell you? God is faithful. God is faithful. And see, we don't need visions and dreams to know that. We have the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. <laughs> Say amen, saints. Oh, the word of God. See, God is so faithful. It may look dark. It may look pretty hopeless. But God is still at work. Now, notice, with that said, look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. If you're there, say amen. Well, then the king instructed Ashpenaz. That's kind of an interesting name. Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel And some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understanding, who had ability, notice this, to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank And three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave new names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now, stop right there. Notice Nebuchadnezzar. Tell you something about Nebuchadnezzar. He was a military genius. There's no question about that. But he was also a brilliant administrator of the empire. Notice he ordered Aspenaz, who was his right-hand eunuch, whatever that is, (laughs) his right-hand eunuch, to, to choose the creme de la creme, the best of the best of the boys who came out of the captivity. And they were to work in the royal court. And notice the qualifications. He was looking for men, boys, who had no blemish. In other words, they had no acne. No clear cell for these guys, all right? They need to be well-favored, meaning that they were good-looking, very handsome, very good-looking guys. Skillful in wisdom and knowledge, meaning that they were at the top of their class. They were very smart. And they sent them, did you notice in verse 5, they sent them to their schools. Let's call it Babylonian U or the University of Babylon for three years. Did you notice that? And it was for those three years that they were trained in their schools and taught their language, 
which is, by the way, another brilliant move on the behalf of Nebuchadnezzar. This man is a genius. Why is it brilliant? Well, by taking the kids, get this, you hold the boys hostage, you're less likely to get a rebellion from the parents. Number one. Number two, by taking the children, the children are the next generation of the Jews. So to educate them and indoctrinate them because they will grow up and have a heart for Babylonian culture. You see? So you're holding them hostage, their parents, and you're indoctrinating them in Babylonian culture. So this is actually a good move because it warns the parents and woos the sons. Is that not what's going on today? I don't know, but maybe warning the parents here. Yeah, I have some examples of that. But how about wooing our children? All kinds of ways. We don't have time to talk about that. Now, in addition to good education, they were to eat the king's best food. Now, there's just a little problem with that, okay? The king's choice wine and the meats that they offered to these boys was offered to idols. When they were to drink the wine, before you would drink a glass of wine, you would take the wine and pour it out on the ground, which was like an offering to their God, their false God. And the meats that they would eat were meats that were offered to idols before they were eaten. So they would take a steak and put it before some statute, and if the statue didn't eat it, then you could eat it. Are you with me? <laughs> so this is what they would do. Now, Daniel, he completely understood this. And so Daniel didn't want to take of the delicacies of the king. But the purpose for the food and the delicacies is as simple as this. Accept the Babylonian culture and leave the Hebrew culture and the Hebrew God behind. That was their point. Now, you want to take notice in verse 6, it begins to single out the boys and the captives. And the whole story now begins to center on these boys. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Take a note. Daniel means God is my judge. God is my judge. Hananiah means God shows grace. Mishael means who is what God is. Who is what God is? In other words, his name means who can compare to God. Don't you like that? You want to name your kid Mishael. Who is what God is? No one is what God is. Amen, saints? Who can compare to God? That's what his name means. And then Azariah, his name means God is my help. All these boys, did you notice, they're named after God, which then tells us that these boys were raised in godly homes. They had godly parents. But then notice in verse 7, they were given pagan names when they got into Babylon. They were given pagan names to reflect the pagan false gods. Daniel is Belteshazzar, which is after one of their gods, Bel, and it means Bel's prince. Hananiah was given the name Shadrach, which means illumined by the sun god. Mishael was given the name Meshach, and it's translated, who is like Shaq? 
Like I said, no one, absolutely no one. I'm not kidding you, that's true. And then, and then Azariah was given the name, taking notes, Azariah was given the name Abednego, which means servant of Nego, servant of Nego. And all of these are pagan gods. So these boys have been taken captive. Let's get it together now. These boys have been taken captive, living in a foreign land, encouraged to serve a foreign god. They've lost their family. They've lost their friends. They've lost anything that's familiar. And now they lose their name. And even many scholars believe that they have lost their dignity. I think of that song Whitney Houston sings. The greatest love of all. A very humanistic song. The greatest love of all. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, they can't take away my dignity. That's what it says. Well, these boys, many scholars believe that Whitney Houston can sing that because she wasn't in the situation that these boys were in. You see, many scholars believe that these boys were even, not only were their names changed and everything was taken away from them, but that they were also castrated. And we find that, why? Because Ashpenaz is the servant in the king's court. He is a eunuch. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are in the king's court. No one works, serves in the king's court because in the king's court are the king's women. And the king doesn't want anyone in his court with the potential propensity toward the women. So it's very likely that these boys were even castrated. We do not hear of a wife for Daniel. We do not hear of children for Daniel or the other guys. And then also because they were being trained and schooled and educated. Well, if you've been to college, you know how distracting it is to go to a co-ed college. Need I say more? So it's very possible that even their dignity was taken away. Very, very possible. Taking their names. You know, you could take someone's name. You could change someone's name, but you can't change their character. These guys, remember, they were probably 15, 16 years old, somewhere around there. Young boys. You can change their name, but you can't change their character. And you know what? The truth is, Christian, we live in a world where the world is trying to change your identity. We live in a world where the world is trying to change your name. Change your name from Christian to fake Christian. Change your name from real Christian, sold out on fire for the Lord, bold Christian, to weak water down in the closet Christian. Oh, they're trying to change your name. And the Bible says it's very, very clear. In Romans chapter 12, I think of this verse in verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Would you read it with me? Would you read it with me? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world. In the Greek language, it literally means don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. Don't allow the world to change your name. We live in the world. We live in Babylon, but we are not of this world. Amen, saints? And the world is trying to squeeze you into its mold. Don't let that happen. And like these boys, we need to be willing to say, no matter if they take away my family, they take away my friends, they take away my name, they take away my language, they take away my dignity, they cannot take away my Lord. You see, you can change someone's name, but you can't change their character. Doesn't matter what you do, what you say, what you seek to change. God is God, and I won't conform. These boys are teenagers. And, 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 and to see their stand, it wasn't planned that the youth would do worship. I'm so proud of these guys up here singing and worshiping the Lord. Are you? Are you? Are you? You should be. Man, they could be anywhere. They could be anywhere. But they're here providing worship for us. That's something to be proud of. Your kids are walking with Jesus. You should be happy because there's a lot of kids that are not. Be blessed. Do Don be blessed. Y'all blessed. You're blessed. Blessed. You know what I mean? People don't have kids. Oh, they don't clean their room, that filthy, nasty room. I don't, you know, I just can't believe they stay up in there. <laughs> they could be doing a whole lot more. And don't misunderstand me. If your room is nasty, clean your room, all right? <laughs> Say amen, parents. I'm trying to help you. But don't be so critical. Man, if they're loving the Lord and, phew. Because the world is trying to squeeze them into its mold. Well, look at verse 8. But Daniel, now here's where you need your pen, your highlighter, and your memory. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Underline that, highlight it, remember it. We'll talk about it more in just a second. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel. <laughs> I just saw this. Now, God had brought Daniel. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. You see, God's in charge. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, he said, I fear my lord, the king who has appointed your food and drink for. Why should you see? Why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you will endanger my head before the king. And so Daniel said to the steward, Ashpenaz, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance 
be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit So deal with your servants. And so he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, notice that. Keep in mind, the king is the most powerful man in the world. Did you notice in verse 8, but Daniel. You see, the king is the most powerful man in the world. And because he is the most powerful man in the world, you don't but the king. But Daniel. Daniel purposed in his heart and he made a commitment. Now, you want to read a great story tonight before you go to sleep? Second Samuel, write it down, chapter 23, around verse 11. This is a great story about purposing in your heart and making a commitment. It's the story of a man named Shammah. The Philistines, perhaps you're familiar, the Philistines are coming. And they want to take over a lentil bean field there in Second Samuel. David told Shammah, Shammah, I got a job for you. I'm sure Shama probably thought, all right, here's my chance. I'm going to save the country. I'm going to kill me some Philistines. He probably was excited, thinking he had a really big job to do. David said, I got a job for you, Shama. And he's like, yes, what is it, David? What is it? Tell me, I'll do it. David said, I want you to guard the beans. He said, what you talking about, Willis? Guard the beans. I thought I was going to kill me some Philistines. No, 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 Shama, I just want you to guard the beans. Well, you know the story, Shama agreed to do it. Everyone is running, but he purposed in his heart. And he said, I ain't gonna move anywhere. I've been given a job to do, and I'm committed to doing that job. And Shama guarded the beans, and he stayed on post. The story gets better because the Spirit of the Lord came upon Shama, and Shama wind up killing many Philistines and bringing a great victory for the people of God, all because he guarded the beans. Can I tell you? Should I tell you? Guard the beans. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor and tell him to guard the beans. Go ahead, do it now. Tell him to guard, look at your neighbor and tell him to guard the beans. You better guard the beans. You see, the problem is, is that many people, they don't want to guard the beans. They don't want to do just what you're told to do. That's all. And be faithful to it. Now, I was talking to a sister just before the service here. We were talking about ministry. And we were talking about how people aren't faithful. They're just not faithful to guard the beans. Well, hey, maybe God has called you to work in the projection room. It's pretty dark back there, no recognition, no stage lights, camera, but do it faithfully, guard the beans. Perhaps maybe your job is to serve in the rest home, quietly. Maybe it's your job to serve in the children's ministry, prayerfully. (laughs) Or maybe your job is to change poopy diapers in the nursery, carefully. 
do it faithfully. But you got a purpose in your heart and say, I will do this job because God called me to do the job. I'll do it faithfully. I'll purpose in my heart. I won't change. I won't move anywhere. And you know what will happen? What will happen is the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and gift you and call you and use you powerfully. If you simply say, God, it's all about you and not about me. I purpose in my heart. It's all about you and not about me. I purpose in my heart. I will do what you tell me to do. And I'll stand there as long as you tell me to stand there. God, if you tell me to do something as insignificant as guarding the beans, then I will do that for the glory of God. I'll guard those beans like those beans have never been guarded before. And I'll do it, God, for your glory. And you know what happened? The Spirit of God will come upon you. But you got to guard the beans. Just do it. Just guard the beans. Simply guard the beans. A story of purposing in your heart. Daniel purpose in his heart that although he was living in a foreign land, he would do his best to follow God. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.